Kira, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. The Quilted Bananas program plays every Sunday, 10 to 11am, with news, views and music. A collective of presenters, advertisers, community events and discusses news of interest to lesbians, queer women and non-binary folk. We have interviews about past and future sports and cultural events, politics, films, art shows. The program is sponsored through the generosity of the Rural Foundation. And it plays every Sunday from 10 to 11am on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. Good morning, you're listening to... um the Lesbian Radio Show is part of the Quilted Bananas Collective, uh, proudly sponsored by the Rule Foundation. Thank you, the Rule Foundation. We got a wonderful show this morning. We've got a Irish lesbian poet coming on, Dr. Emer Lyons from down in Dunedin. And we have some exciting banjo music. So before we uh, ring uh, Emer, we're going to play Mean Mary. And she's doing a wonderful rendition of the Turnbull County Antique Tractor Show. Enjoy.
late. Well endowed in July, running proud for the crowd. Truly my soulmate. On he came as a flame, like a frame, just the same. He is my tractor true. And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know this tractor loves me too. Oh, if you stop here in Trumbull County, take one more look before you go. You just might find a love worth keeping. At an antique tractor show, I found my love in Trumbull County. At the antique tractor show, he stole my heart in Trumbull County. Now I'll never let him go. At the Trumbull County antique tractor show. He's from Alabama or somewhere, quite popular in Ireland. And the main reason I'm player is because of our guest on this morning, um, Dr. Emil Lines. Uh, you told me you like banjo music, so I had to do some extensive research on banjo music. <laughs> <laughs> I do love a banjo. Well, that's good because we have another track coming up too, not from Mean Mary, from somebody else. But I, I, I believe that Mean Mary has actually played in Ireland too, so she's got some popularity there. Um, I, oh, I can honestly say I learned a lot about banjo music over the last few days. Um, <laughs> anyhow, welcome. Uh, so I'll, uh, you're, I'll just give, give um, the listeners uh, an introduction uh, from your bio. Um, so uh, Dr. Emer Lines is a lesbian writer from West Cork living in New Zealand. She has a creative critical PhD in lesbian poetry and shame from the University of Otago, where she is a postdoctoral fellow in Irish studies at the Centre of the Irish and Scottish Studies. Most recently, her writings can be found on the Pantograph Punch, Newsroom, Queer Love, an Anthology of Irish Fiction, Landfall and the Stinging Fly. Uh, does that sound right? Have I, have I got all of that right, Emer? That's it. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So, so it's always good to, to, uh, interview people here and, and hear their stories and, and, uh, lesbian poetry isn't something that I've interviewed anybody on before. So, or a lesbian poet, I should say. So, um, it's great to talk to you. So before we start, Emer, just how did you get to New Zealand and Dunedin? Um, I thought it was, I was finishing up my master's in 2010. Um, and it was a terrible time in Ireland for the recession was in full swing. And so I bought, actually went down to um, in those student travel places. And we went down there and we said to your one in the counter, we were like, we want two um, visas to South Africa. And she was like, oh, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and we were like, no, it's a great idea. It'll be brilliant. And she was saying that it was actually kind of difficult to get a visa that you used to contact the South African embassy, and that sounded like an awful lot of effort. So behind her, there was an, a poster for New Zealand, and we were like, Grand, we'll actually have two for there. Oh. Um, and she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we just bought them on the spot. And then I left six months later, and it was the year of the World Cup in New Zealand, the Rugby World Cup, so we thought that there would be some jobs, which there was, so that was good. And then I just stuck around. Well, 15 months later, I went to Australia, and then I went home for a year with my parents at the time, and then we came back to New Zealand in 2014, and I've been here since. 
Wow, that's a, an accidental uh, tourist and, and uh, now yeah. um, uh, kind of resident in, in New Zealand. Good on you. I, I suppose I had a similar story. I came here on holidays in in March of 1990 and, and um, I was going to stay for six months. And funnily enough, um, the World Cup was on in Italy at the same time and I was going to... Uh, uh, stay here and then come back to Ireland and go to the World Cup on the way back. But I just never, never really left. So there must you know, be. Okay. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. I suppose there are such similarities between the place. And 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 um, when you came here, you must have found it. Um, you know that that little bit stranger, uh, stranger but the same. Like um yeah, and I mean within six weeks we were living um. Oh, close within six weeks I, I came over with three of my friends and we decided we would live in Christchurch and then the February earthquake hit Christchurch while we were living there we were um, living in the CBG and so then that kind of um, was a strange experience obviously and made us then move out of Christchurch and we ended up in Wellington so, so we kind of had a rough start yeah. <laughs> um, to our journey in New Zealand and actually two of the girls kind of couldn't handle it and um, ended up going to Australia a few months into New Zealand. They kind of couldn't settle. And um, out of the three of us now, two of them live in Australia. I live here and the other one lives at home. So some of them just couldn't kind of um, settle in New Zealand after the earthquake. But um, yeah. yeah, I found kind of that I, I don't know, once I moved on and we went to Dunedin and stuff, I just, yeah, I was able to kind of settle. But it was difficult for a while. Yeah. And going back to Christchurch is strange, but... Yeah, I mean, we were lucky. We could just, you know, pack up and leave our apartment and stuff and just kind of move on, whereas other people didn't have that kind of luxury. Yeah, that's true. They're, you know, your lives are there, so it's harder to make those decisions. But uh, yeah. gosh, that would have been a, a bit of a, an introduction to New Zealand and the uh, the wonders of, 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 I suppose, the physical environment here. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and And as a, a lesbian moving to uh, New Zealand, did you, did, was that kind of, was there any kind of things that you noted that were different or have you forgotten? I actually, I actually came out in New Zealand. Oh, well, so, well done, yeah, New Zealand. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> New Zealand made me gay. Actually, oh, good. It turned, you, it turned you into <laughs> no, a lesbian. No, I, I did. I came out here yeah. and so I went home then like for a while, um, for a few months just to be like, hi, everybody in my small town, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> just to make sure they all knew, you know, like yeah, yeah. paraded down the main street. Well, yes. actually, all you need to do in a small town in Ireland is tell one person and then everybody knows it's actually really handy you know yeah, you know, yeah <laughs> but the Chinese it out. but they still need yeah. you to reconfirm it though because I, I know i know certainly with some some uh, of my elder maybe relatives is they keep forgetting i'm a lesbian and and you have to kind of yes. tell them again it's it's when they send all the boys that come to new zealand to to talk to you and and you say well you know you know i'm a lesbian don't you and she's oh yeah 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 but that's all right yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's all right, as if we were under the impression it wasn't all right, you know. Yeah. No, we don't mind. And yeah. you're like, okay, great. And we, yeah, my parents kept saying, I think we handled this very well. And I was like, I didn't drop a bomb, like, you know. And like, <laughs> oh, well, that's, and they didn't that's... want me to tell anyone by Christmas. And the girls were laughing. They were calling me the Christmas Grinch. They were like, here comes the lesbian Christmas Grinch with her terrible news for Christmas. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a great thing. Oh, well, and, and, and how, are, how are they all back in... in, in um, wherever it is in West Cork that you're from. They're in Bandon and they're grand. They're bored. So they, got, um, they got this 10, 11-year-old rescue dog. They all, my parents are all into rescue animals. 
And so they got this old, crazy dog, and he's kind of taken up their time now. It's kind of a substitute child. So oh, they just spend all their time, <laughs> you know, talking about him. And, and oh, I left the set, or she's 18 now. I left an 18-year-old cat there, and so she's losing her mind and driving them crazy. And I get to hear about that every five minutes, about how I'm ruining their lives with my cat. <laughs> That's good, you know? Like the poor child, she's just... So she can't see and she can't hear and they're just all giving out for her. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a nice rescue dog. And and, and and then when did you come out as a lesbian poet then, or as a poet even? I know, yeah, I think actually the kind of, um, the poetry was kind of happening before I came out. And then I remember I went to a National Poetry Day event and Henny Moana Baker was one of the readers. Um, and I was completely fascinated by her. And I was like, well, you know, poetry's cool and it's not... Um, what I thought it was, maybe. You know, like, it's not as formulaic and it's not the kind of poetry that maybe I was taught in school or the kind of poetry I had access to. And then once that happened, then me and my friend Jasmine, we were both working together in an insurance company and we started going to loads of poetry events and just writing poetry. And, um, yeah, it was just amazing. And then, yeah, on my visa, I think I was, like, going for my... something to do with my visa and we were out in a night out and I was like, I'm actually a lesbian, you know, it was one of those moments. And she was like, don't like her, we can get married or something. You know, she's got a long-term partner. But she was like, I'm sure he won't mind. And like, I'm sure he would. But, um, but yeah, it kind of all, I don't know, it's almost like you wake up one day. But um, coming out like as a lesbian poet was great and like, so I think the poetry really helped and then searching out other lesbian poets was such a huge part of that. Like searching out other women who had had the same experience and in Ireland, people like Mary Dorsey, Cherry Smith, um, and like, like there are contemporary um, queer poets coming out in Ireland now, which is great. But actually I was talking to Louis de Peor. He's an Irish studies, he's an Irish language poet. People might know him. He was in a few documentaries and stuff about Irish language in Australia. And um, he, like, was saying that he doesn't know of any Irish language queer poets. That it's uh, that are women, sorry. There are yeah. men. But not that are women. Like, okay. that it's kind of a lesser known I thing was, in Yeah, Irish. I was going to ask you that. Was Do you use any kind of Gaelic in, in, in any of I the... I do. You could. Yeah, but in the way of, like, I do, but, like, in the way of... um. Like code switching, like putting in just words here and there rather than entire poems in Irish. Because my Irish yeah. is not good enough, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it's not good enough to construct yeah. many sentences, unfortunately. Is yours good? You and, and, well, I'm, I'm from the west of Ireland, so we're, we're not too far oh, from yeah. Gaeltacht. So, no, it's not. And I've been here 30 years, so I haven't had a huge amount of opportunity to uh, speak it. And I wasn't very good to start with, but I was, I was kind of probably better than somebody who was brought up in Dublin, uh, in most yeah. parts of Dublin. I shouldn't be too generic about that, but uh, I don't think... Um, uh, I can I can understand it more than I can speak it. So, um, Same. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I can probably okay. read it, but uh, it's one of those things that you think uh, y- you do need to kind of keep it um, more alive and current because it's like everything, you know, when you learn it in school, you just learn kind of academic words and you don't learn the yeah. the real speaking of it. Uh, so I, 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 t- I think um, uh, it's something, well, I'd, 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 I wouldn't have much cause to use it here. So I suppose it would be a, a very big effort to keep it going. But I, I still, I like words. So, so I, I, you know, I like to, because 
for me, sometimes there are words that don't always translate. Um, and and uh, from, you know, from, I suppose, Irish to English, and I suppose it's the same from Te Reo to English. You know, you're, you got words and they mean something and you know what it means, but you can't like understand what it translated directly into an English. Like a word I, I use yeah. a bit is plomos, you know, which of course we yeah, all... Oh my God, I was just talking about that yesterday. Were you? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and plomos, for people who don't know it, is it kind of my best attempt at, at uh, translating means like to butter somebody up and, and to to kind of tell them what they want to hear so that they, everybody feels good at the end. But that's kind of a very simplistic version of what the word means. You might have a, a better interpretation of it, Emer. No, I was trying to as well. I was trying to come up with something and that was as much as I got, kind of like someone's trying to kind of, yeah... But but exactly. in actual fact, you could do a university degree in plomos, I think. And, and, and oh, you, my God, you could. That would be brilliant. And you know that there's this... Um, there's a que- the queer Irish dictionary was launched. It's called On Folklore Autoch, and it's um it gives you words for everything: lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, all in Irish. And it oh. just came out in um 2018. Oh wow! Well, we we'll, we'll put a link to that too. We what we'll do um uh, uh, when the show finishes, we'll put a couple of links up, and I might. Get you to email me some links yeah, from what definitely. we talk about, so that if any of our listeners are um, interested in in following up on it, they can. Because I'm sure we have exactly. some um, people of of um, Irish persuasion or background or interest even listening in. Um, yeah. What we, we, if you don't mind, we'll just uh, 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 throw another banjo track in, just so that we, I can have another sip of my Barry's tea here, uh, <laughs> and then we'll come back to you after it. We, uh, th- this one is um, the First Ladies of Bluegrass, um, and it's called "The Girl I Left Behind."
Welcome back, Emer. Are you still there? I am. I'm still here. That and that was for you. That was the first ladies of bluegrass, um, and okay. um, they were playing the girl I left behind me. Oh, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and now get back into getting back to the. This may be they may be related. Getting back to your poetry. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what? Because uh, I'm I'm hoping you're going to read us some some poems this morning as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, I read great. one now. Well, uh, yes, far away. Cool. So I write like a lot of poems about my family. And I remember I was talking to Sherry Smith about this, and um, someone said to Seamus Heaney, like, why are you always writing poems about Northern Ireland? And he was, and not about, uh, because you haven't lived there in so long. And he was like, oh, because my family in Northern Ireland are like still a mystery to me. And I think like that's the same thing. And especially when you leave, you're always trying to kind of find your way back. And a lot of poets do that through their poetry. And so this one is about my um, grandfather and my mom. And it's called Getting It in the Head. My mother calls a brook a sky when my grandfather doesn't mention his wife. Instead, we hear awesome fella who went to court for stealing a donkey. She says only drug addicts jiggle their legs and the front wall needs plastering. I have a job, I says. Well done, she says. My grandfather keeps pulling his pyjama top up to show us his bruised, fleshy skin. A cousin comes for a bit, brings cheap designer handbags from her daughter. In London she is, is she? My mother asks, knowing full well. I think about all the cigarettes I could be smoking. I leave the room for a few minutes and when I come back he thinks I've just arrived. Makes nothing of time. Take me out the back and shoot me, my mother says. And for the hundredth time I remind her that I'm not getting locked up so she can go when she wants to. He asks my mother about her parents, and she says they're grand, even though they're dead. I'm not sure now what I felt about him. I remember thinking him smaller, like all his mass was gone, even though in front of our eyes his skull was calcifying. And I jiggled my legs for years before I took drugs. And I don't miss anybody as if I'd forgotten them. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. It does It does remind you of home. And is that, as you say, is a big thing for you, Emer? is it? Yeah, yeah, like I'm always, I'm, I write predominantly actually about my mother, like her, in her voice. And because I think there's like a fascination or like something, I don't know if this is everybody, but like my dad's like a big talker and um, is like a really good storyteller. And so my mother less so tells the stories of her life. Yeah. And I suppose then I kind of take that mantle on and speak then like our, I tell stories, like write poems about stories she's told and 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 is there a crossover between your home here and your home in Ireland, or how does that how do, how do you kind of you know kind of put those two things together in your poetry, or do you, is that something you do? Have I lost you there, Emer? Oh, we might have lost Emer. Uh, we might have to go into another track of music while we, we ring Emer back on and see if if uh, she's still down there in Dunedin. So I think we'll play Joan Arma Trading just while we try and find her. Score. You've got 
got something missing. I'll help you look, you can be sure. And if you want to be alone, someone to share a laugh, whatever you want me to, all you got to do is ask. Thunder, don't go under the sheets. Lightning. Under a tree in the rain and snow, I'll be a fireside. Come running to me when things get out of hand. Running to me when it's more than you can stand. I said I'm strong. And that was John Armour trading. We've got uh, Emer back on the phone. Emer, I thought I was asking you a, a, a question you didn't like because uh, uh, you disappeared <laughs> on me there. But uh, I know you're oh, from... No, just saying very intelligent things. You just missed them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I was going to say you're from Cork. You'd tell me if I didn't like what I, what I was saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was just asking about, you know, reconciling your, your two homes, your New Zealand home and your Irish home and your poetry. Is that, is that something you do as well? Or is that, is yeah, that... definitely. Oh. Like trying to, um, like, I think trying to kind of like understand, um, especially dialect like um and colloquialisms like in Ireland, especially in Cork, we have like a very distinct way of speaking and and like in New Zealand they have so many colloquialisms as well that have started to drip into my language, you know, like saying mm. things like sweet as I mean I would have thought that was crazy a few years ago I would have been like sweet as what you know when I finished the sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but now I just say it all the time. Um, yeah. you know, like and things I kind of find their way in and then thinking about what they mean like as an Irish speaker to be using colloquialisms from <clears throat> a country you're not from. Yeah. And I suppose then there's like this huge and then like finding out <clears throat> or learning some Tereo and thinking about that whole aspect of especially poets using Tereo in their poetry and using um, Irish in my own poetry and thinking about like the connections between us as two small nations like on the edge of the world and there's so much there's so much crossover I mean the first lesbian collection of poetry published in Ireland and New Zealand happened in the same year it was in 1982 in Ireland it was Mary Dorsey and in New Zealand it was Heather McPherson <clears throat> and that's quite extraordinary because like the homosexual law reform wasn't in place in either country yeah and and oh and it's it's um it is it kind of um 
um, you, you mentioned there where where you're from. You know, is that is that kind of because I that's something you know I always wonder about where you're from and where you are and I suppose where you belong. And and yeah. do you think of it as two homes or do you think of it as like two separate lives or how do you is there kind of an interface between where you you live in the two or how do you how do you do that especially you know because you've got ways with words or you wouldn't write poetry <laughs> uh, you yeah. must have to work that out in your head before you you kind of get to a place definitely it's like kind of like almost trying to reconcile like where the whole of the poem is you know like where is that coming from and it's always in that in between you know like in that space in between New Zealand and Ireland I mean it's been so long now it's been 10 years that I've been kind of in and out of New Zealand, and I think about and so many of the opportunities that I've gotten as a writer and as a lesbian, um, they've all come from New Zealand, and I've been like so supported, especially in Otipoti, Dunedin. Um, I've been massively supported as a lesbian, as a writer, and showing any kind of enthusiasm in Otipoti, you'll get signed up, you know, to do things, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I think more than New Zealand feels like home. Um, Dunedin feels like home, you know, like on a more kind of local scale. And I guess I've always kind of thought that way or, you know, like thought that way because I was listening to this um, interview with Lynn Ruan and she's a senator in Dublin. And she was saying that she was like, until I was about 15 or 16, I wasn't Irish. I wasn't a woman. I was from Tala, you know, and I was like, oh, I completely can relate to that, you know, until, like, very late in life, I was just from Bandon. Yeah. And that was my main kind of, it was a very localized way of thinking. Um, and then you thought about politics and, and religion and everything on a very local scale. Yeah. Because everything kind of happened in your small little world, you know, and I didn't go many places. I mean, I didn't leave Ireland until I was a teenager, I'd say, like... Not first time I went to London. I think I was nineteen, but those kind of things. And I think I think the same way. Then in um, in New Zealand, I think on a very local kind of scale, you know, it all moves out of of Odipodi and moves back in, rather than like thinking about New Zealand on a larger. Even though I've lived in many places in New Zealand, it's um, Dunedin that feels kind of like home. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. I I I can certainly understand that as well. Yeah. Um, and and um, do you have another uh, poem you could read for us, Emer? Yeah, of course. So this one actually is going to be, this poem is in the anthology coming out in October. And I'll send you a link for this as well. This do is please. called Out Here, an anthology an anthology of Takatapui and LGBTQIA plus writers from Aotearoa. And it's edited by Chris Cheese and Emma Barnes. And that will be coming out in October. And there's, every queer poet you could love and want. Her Lindsay Bird, Renee, Ray Shipley, Rianne Gallagher, it's just jam packed. It's gonna be oh, an excellent anthology. So I'll read you one from that. Far away. Baptism. She was taught the ways by the same woman who taught a man how to conquer, to capture her. Is that romance? It is. In the same breath she slides a sword into her boot and a babe to her breast. Two things I'll never do. This is a history poem. I said, this is a history poem. Some people know their people as far back as Eve. I don't know where my mother's mother's family are from. I only know the ones that named me. She who needed death to prove love. She who had an only jealousy. I heard our dream in Adelaide threaded through a violin. On the face of love flies land. The body indecently dying. 
she mourns along her rivals. Grease bleeds from her hands. My body learns the cold of holy waters. Our lines run into unconsecrated ground. Wow. That's that's kind of <laughs> fairly powerful, Emer. Thank you for that. <laughs> that so that was... one's kind of like about um all like also about folklore and about um <clears throat> so it makes reference in the poem to like um having an only jealousy and that's reference to W. E. Yeats's play um, The Only Jealousy of Emer. Yeah. Um which so my name comes from Coo Cullen's wife. Well actually that's a lie. My name actually comes from the Irish Navy ship that was named Emer in nineteen seventy eight. Which was named after Boo Collins' wife. Um, so as I say, I could easily have been a deer draft because they named the two ships in the same year. And so my parents are humming and hawing. Well, um, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, whichever one. Maybe they could have put both in your name. Exactly. Yeah, like they're both great names, powerful names. Indeed, they are. Yeah. Well, I was I was I was telling you earlier, I was called after my grandmother as well. Um, <laughs> and she came from Cork. So, yeah, there's a. Uh, there's, there's always history in names as well, isn't there? There is, especially in Ireland. And you can see all those names coming back you now. I mean, with all my friends having um, children at home, they're all using Irish names. They're really kind of ancient names like Theo, Noah, you know, like kind of biblical older names or um, Irish names like Searsha are massive, you know, like they're real big ones. Um, which is, like I know those, like my Emer is a pest of a name like to have anywhere outside of um, Ireland people think it's like the height of unusual and people always think I'm a man when I'm emailing as well but oh. they're like that's not just your name they're like you email like a man which seems like a strange oh, thing to yeah. say it yeah. is a very yeah. strange thing to say yeah um, I must be prompt or something you know <laughs> <laughs> oh yes 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 well how about we, we just play one more track and then I'll come back to you and we'll talk about maybe what plans you have and futures or um, anything anything uh, at all like that so we can uh, uh, and maybe another poem too, just to, to, to round us. If I don't get too maudlin here listening to them, um, they're, they're bringing me back to Mayo. <laughs> okay, I think this is an Irish artist, a young a young woman from Offaly called Laws, uh, and the name of the track is oh, Last cool. Goodbye. Blanket shall cradle me while I sleep. It'll take your place till our hands can meet. And though our minds can touch, no, it's not enough, no, it's not enough for me. This music is keeping our memories alive in my mind. It's a shame that our hearts went so out of time. And though in life we it was just too much, it was just too much for me, for me Cause oh I was terrified Was I being too wide-eyed, why Did I let my mind decide To keep searching for the feeling that I was certain of. Did you mean it? Were you lying without looking in your eyes? I hope that night. 
We're back again, Emer. Are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah, that's a, a nice young young artist uh, from Offaly. Loz oh, is gorgeous. her name. Yeah, I thought she's got a lovely little voice, uh, or not little voice, but a lovely voice. Uh, and uh, she's, um, I think that's one of her earlier tracks. I think she's put something out recently that's, uh, um, yeah, lovely, lovely kind of sound. I love, I, I like, I quite like voices and, and melodies. So, but it, poetry Same. must be like that. You, you haven't taken up songwriting or lyrics or anything like that? Yourself? I do play the guitar now, but like on a, on a kind of a, party basis, you know, like bang out a bit of Wonder Wall, like nothing too um, life changing, but like, <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I sometimes put my poetry to music, but again, like only for friends and stuff, not in a, any kind of serious way, mm. but like, yeah, I do love, I love music, I've always loved music, um, but you know, those kind of these things in school that you love, sometimes you don't do in case you ruin them. Yeah. I was kind of like that with music. I kind of just did it on my own time rather than... Well, actually, I didn't do it my own time. I learned off... Um, there was a evangelical guy who used to teach us all guitar and he used to be teaching us all these, like, um, kind of born-again Christian songs. We, we didn't know we were born-again Christian songs. We'd be around the place singing them thinking they were great. You know, this is like some new cool number. And people were like, oh, they're very Christian songs. And we were like, oh... It's the only song I know on the guitar. <laughs> so, so your party pieces must be very uh, evangelical. Oh, they are. They're very spiritual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I also love. I mean, that was the great thing about Mass was the singing. I mean, that's why we all went, right? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. Was that my, my my calling? It was more to do with duty than, than um, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't There's escape. There's a lot it. of duty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, my, uh, my mother said that she didn't want to go by herself. Everybody goes and their family and I'm there by myself. So she's the kind of guilt isn't she? You know, mothers are great at emotional blackmail. Especially yeah. Irish mothers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to learn these things early maybe to um, you uh, do, in uh, order to yeah. get the job done, the household run or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, and then and now your plans for the future. Well, have you got any big plans out there or what's your how's your kind of uh, do you have any is there another step in your poetry or um, what What happens next? Well, I wrote um, I wrote a full collection as part of the PhD, so I'm in the process now, kind of having a look at that, thinking about it and sending it out to publishers. So hopefully something will oh, come good. of that. I mean, it's kind of a hard time, you know, like with publishing and stuff and COVID and it's very delayed and uh, it's very competitive. And so... It kind of depends on what happens there. Um, whether as well, I will um, do like a dual publication in Ireland and New Zealand or publish at home or anything like that. I'm kind of thinking about those kind of things. And so doing a lot of that and kind of trying to keep up publication, not just in New Zealand, but like um, abroad and especially in Ireland. And it was incredible being getting a piece of fiction in the Queer Love Anthology edited by Paul McVeigh because 
And Mary Dorsey is also in the anthology, and she was one of my PhD poets. And so that was an extraordinary oh, wow. experience, like to be um, to have a piece of fiction alongside Mary Dorsey forevermore. Yeah. It's like you know, one of my dreams. Wow, that's good. Yeah. So, and I'm also um, editing the, a new and selected poems by Heather McPherson, um, our New Zealand's first published lesbian poet. And so she was also one of my PhD poets. And now I have, I'm working with the Spiral Collective to oh, edit yes. um, the new and selected of Heather's poems. And so that's kind of all underway now at the moment and we're just getting funding sorted and stuff and hopefully that will be out. So that's another dream of mine, like to work with the Spiral um, Collective and work with those women who I so admire is absolutely extraordinary. And as someone who's not from New Zealand to get that kind of um, opportunity, is unforgettable. Yeah. And when when um, all of these things happen, um, Emer, if you send me the link, we can put it on yes. our uh, page Definitely. here so that people who, who um, are interested in it can actually find it a little bit easier. Than, yes, um, that would be gorgeous. And when you do your, your poetry book, are you going to do an audio version, you know, for, for uh, because, gosh, that would be powerful as well have an yeah, audio that's a version great of, idea. I should of, do that. of a poet's yeah. book because I can yeah. just see uh, people listening away, you know, it would be... Yeah, that's a great idea. That's oh all right. I'll plug that. I'll be like, you know, when I'm sending in my um, collection, I'll be like, I also have a gorgeous voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd be right in there. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can tell them you've been on the radio. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, it'd be like um Sonia's always um like she was mocking me the other day. She was saying that the two things that I tell people is like that I'm a dyke and I'm from Cork and she's like there are the two most important things about me and I was like, They are they are the most important things about me and I'm from Cork. And, <laughs> and you've been on the wireless. <laughs> Well, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Thank you very yeah, much, Emer. And, and we might yeah. even get you back sometime when you publish uh, your, your, your books. And, and, oh, my uh, God, hopefully. And you can read us some more. You don't have another one you can read us out on? Oh, I will, yeah. I'll read you out on this one. This one is one after Seamus Heaney, so it seems appropriate. Oh, I love Seamus Heaney. He's, he's just... Yeah, he's wonderful. So thank you for that. Thanks, Rosie. This is called Future Country Wife. Animals were arranged like a composite painting, decomposing into the earth beneath our feet. With midges dancing on the eyes of the rotting cows, the boy guided me from the death pit to the slurry pit, bubbling to overboil like chocolate left too long to melt. Years later, a girl from my school would throw the body of a new age traveler into a pit just like that. In the shed, pigs were tuned alive inside a mausoleum of noise. Their mouths lulled pink, frantic, reverberated onking, the stench of their ready-to-eat flesh internalizing. My newly acquired acquaintance propped me on the back of his horse, trotted me down the country lane beside the grassy median strip. I begged to be let down. Now, now, country wives don't fall off the back of horses or faint at the sight of dead animals piled on top of more dead animals. Their dog beached in the little kitchen, the little room off the kitchen, whining and panting on a carpet of old towels. Jelly wobbled in her bowls and onto the floor from her womb. She licked the puppies clean as they grunted on her teeth, blindly towering and toppling on each other. The runt would drown in a bucket before breakfast. Oh gosh, that was. 
That was another one. <laughs> As a vegetarian who grew up on a farm, that was a hard one. Oh, I know. And the thing is, I didn't grow up on a farm, so this was me, like, you know, urban county girl being sent out to the farm. I was having a breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thank you very much for that, Emer, And thank you so much for being on this morning. Really appreciate it. Oh, no it. worries. It was gorgeous. Thank you so much. And enjoy the rest of your day down there in Dunedin. You too. Okay. See you now. Cheers. Bye. Sláinte. Bye. Okay, we'll we'll just uh, have an interlude of another track. Uh, this is from an artist um, way back in the 90s. I think I haven't uh, seen anything much from her uh, in a long while. It's Tanita Tikaram, and it's uh, Might, Might Be Crying is the name of the track. simple sentiment is still the show and what I didn't know back then is that I might be losing I might be losing still I wouldn't know now I suck up to the pale moonlight like it's gonna lead me As if that could keep me warm And now I stare across a dirty river And I breathe this dirt, yeah And I'm sure upon the bridge I'll see you Cause I dreamt I'd kiss you there
And that was uh, Tanita Tikaram. Um, I'm just running out of time, so I better be fast. I, there was a few things I want to talk about, but I won't talk about them. I'll just talk about a few of them. Because, uh, uh, as you know, I'm, a, I'm into some of the techie stuff. So I found some techie updates for people if they're interested in them. Two in particular um, I found very useful is uh, Twitter. Twitter and Instagram, they're both uh, different companies, so uh, it's good. And both of them have announced that they're finally going to introduce um, pronouns in their user profile. So uh, I checked both my own Twitter account and my Instagram account, and they're not there yet. So they're rolling this out slowly, wherever it is. But you will be able to put on your profile um, on both of those, um, whichever pronouns you decide you want to use or if you want to use any at all. So that's kind of a good thing that... um, the techie companies are getting a bit more thoughtful on how people identify and uh, giving them the options to uh, choose an identity that suits them, which is, well, you'd imagine it's kind of a no-brainer, but obviously <laughs> it has been uh, not not happened so, so far. And, of course, being the week that's in it, uh, you can't go any further than talking about the Olympics. And I was trying to find out a little bit of um, information on, um, you know, um, gay, lesbian, transgender, um, rainbow, uh, whatever, um, LGBTQ athletes at the Olympics. And there's an organization called, uh, what is it called? I don't, uh, rainbow Olympics. Oh, well, gosh, I've got the link somewhere. So I'll put it in. I'll put it on the um, uh, page. And and what they do is they usually do a profile of um, rainbow Olympians. Uh, and in the last couple of um, games, uh, so in London, there was uh, 23 publicly out Olympians. In Rio, there was 56. And in Tokyo this year, there's 172. In fact, uh, they published them and at I say I'll put the link to the website up there. So 172, uh, and what's happening this year, they say, is even a little bit more extraordinary. Uh, athletes are emailing them, telling them to add them to the list, rather than in the past, some athletes have asked them to take their names off the list. So um, it's actually uh, quite refreshing, and uh, and the really good thing is um, there is. Um, a lot of the New Zealand athletes on that list, which is absolutely amazing. There's another statistic, and I just have to find it because, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the statistics and I just can't find it. But I think it said something like the number of uh, females on that list is like eight to one, the number of females on the list. So there's quite an extraordinary uh, number of um, female rainbow athletes on the list. Um, so I, I don't know what that says. I'm sure it says something, but... Uh, we don't have time to talk about that today. Maybe there'll be lots of good research on that. So that's the the Olympics. And just for, um, again, to round up some of the things that's happening in Wellington, there's a lilac t- tattoo 
exhibition on Wednesday, the 4th of August. So that's coming up next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. in Lilac um, Lounge on Level 2 in Willow Street. So uh, anybody who wants to uh, talk about their tattoo stories, is that right? Yes, I'm looking at um, a few on here because she knows more about it than I do. Uh, or you can even, if you want to find out more about this, if you email lilac at lesbian.net.nz uh, because you're looking for pictures of tattoos as well. Would that be correct? Good. Um, then don't forget the Lilac Lesbian Library is Wednesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. And now there's an online catalogue you can search called the Tiny Cat Searchable Catalogue. Uh, so you can check before you go what's available there. Uh, the uh, Overlander Club is on, on the next Sunday on the 8th of August, the Pycat Greeky Ramble. So if you meet at 10 o'clock on the Perching Parrot Cafe in Pycock-Riki. Uh, you can go for a walk there um, and that should be good fun. So I think we're finishing now. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you to the Rule Foundation providing the funding for this. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the uh, Dr. Emer Lyons, a lesbian Irish poet. I'll see you all. Bye. future when I left the Christian Brothers School So I waved it goodbye with the wistful smile and I left the girls of June And sometimes when I'm reminiscing I see the prefabs and my old friends And I know that they'll be changed all gone by the time I get home again And I wish I was under And 17 Yes, I wish I was under And 17 Traveling with just my thoughts and
That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz. 